So this past week, on three different occasions, I was asked my least favorite question in the world. Why can't women become priests? I hate this question because I can't ever seem to answer it without sounding like a sexist. So go along with me, I'm going to try and get this right. The reason why it's a hard question to answer is because it's not a question that's very common, much appreciated in today's society. It seems like it goes against a lot of a lot of kind of customs and cultures that we've developed, a lot of kind of understanding of masculinity and femininity. So what I want to do to kind of like address this, this issue is, is go to John Paul II first and see what he says. And what he points out is he gives us three main reasons on why women can't become priests, or rather that Jesus is not asking women to become priests. And the first one he makes very clear, very simple, Jesus wasn't a priest. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus was a priest, my bad. Misspeaking already. So this is why I don't like this question. Ugh. Jesus was a man, and priests act in the person of Christ, and because Christ was a man, Jesus, they, they kind of recreate the person, of, not recreate the person of Christ, but they stand in the person of Christ whenever they confect the Eucharist, and so whenever they say, this is my body, it's a male body, and so on and so forth. And so it's in that that one of the first and primary ways in which we see men are called to the priesthood is in the person of Jesus. The other point that he makes is that the apostles never ever really was, the, 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 the fellowship of apostles was never extended to ladies. There was tons and tons of very, very devout, and in fact, I would argue, and I will argue, more devout disciples in Jesus' kind of cadre who were women, and yet he continued to call the only men to the apostleshiphood, whatever you want to call it. But the third reason, the reason I personally find most compelling is this. Mary was not a priest. Mary, the perfect human being, the perfect woman, the only person created in the world that had a right, if anybody does or would claim to have a right to priesthood, would be Mary. And yet there is zero recorded sermons of Mary. There's not a single church which claims that Mary founded it. Mary did not Confect a sacrament. She never seemed to anoint the sick. It's not even known that Mary even baptized anybody. Which is kind of the, one of the great ultimate underscores of the fact that if Mary was not or did not act as a priest, maybe that just kind of underscores the tradition that Christ set out for us. But there's kind of a fourth reason, kind of like a, a deeper reason I think you and I kind of long for, is like kind of the answer like, okay, if that's the divine wisdom, if that's what Christ and the apostles and the church shows us, what's behind that? What's behind the kind of the deeper ultimate issue of why only men are called to the priesthood? And the answer that I'm going to give, full disclosure, full disclaimer, is not in the, it's not in the catechism. It's not in the Bible. I don't think anybody, any other church men has necessarily written about this. There are other church men who agree with me. But it's not, if you have an issue with it, if, you, if there's an issue that, that, you, that comes up, you can blame me. It's not the church's fault for this. So, and this is, so, so this is the answer that I, that I, that I want to posit. Why can't women become priests? Or excuse me, why are men called to the priesthood? And I think this is the answer, one of, one of the deeper answers. Because men need it. Because men need it. Fact of the matter is, is men need a challenge. 
They need pressure. They need pain. And they need kind of a, an incentive, something that calls them to something greater. And that thing comes with this thing called leadership. Otherwise, if, if men do not engage in pressure, if they do not tackle challenges, if they do not conquer pain, men remain boys. They never, ever grow up. Which is why how so many of our Cajun brothers and sisters and, 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 and grandparents and parents will often say, you want to take a, turn a boy into a man, you got to put that boy to work. You got to make him work. You got to make him bleed. You got to make him suffer. You got to send him through the gauntlet. And then maybe he'll become a man. Maybe. And this is all throughout history. This isn't a unique thing to the Cajun culture. Go to Africa. One of the great kind of ritualistic ceremonies to really do an initiation is something I probably shouldn't get into from the pulpit, but there are ways to initiate. You can go Google it online. It's fascinating. But my point being is that all throughout the history, whether we're talking about African culture, whether we're talking about Indian culture, whether we're talking about Jewish culture with the bar mitzvah, there's always been an initiation right to take a boy and turn him into a man. And what's kind of fascinating through all this is that there's not necessarily, not at least not across the board, a parallel for girls. Historically, girls don't kind of need this kind of dramatic initiation into womanhood. And in fact, whenever it does happen, and you can see this in African countries, it's really dark, it's really disturbing, and it's incredibly abusive. It's very, very degrading, and it's not anything that any churchman, in fact, a lot of churchmen condemn it, initiation of girls. And I think the reason for that like I said, you can, please feel free to disagree, is because girls have this initiation naturally. It comes into them. It becomes a part of them. They become very familiar with it. And by like 10, 11 years old, they're extremely familiar with this monthly experience. It can turn a girl, at least allegedly, into a woman. Now, I I'm, I'm don't really have a first-hand experience by this, but this is what I hear. And that's why, I mean, I'll be honest, that's why I think girls mature faster handle pain better, and are more empathetic than boys. Straight up, because of their intimate knowledge of suffering. They know how to put up with suffering. They know how to deal with suffering. They know how, how to shoulder it better than we as guys do. Because we're not as intimately tied into it. Our cross isn't inside of us. And that, that's probably, Will, that's the downfall of dudes. We don't, have, we don't have a cross inside of us motivating us to get up and do something, which is why we have kind of this massive crisis in our culture of lazy bums. Guys that just sit around and play video games all the time and do nothing because there's nothing deep within that motivates them on. It's very sad and pathetic. But what we're working on, I'm trying, I'm trying. My point being, though, is that this is why I dare to say if we look around, guys, there's more women here than us. Because the ladies here understand a little bit more about dealing with pain than we do. Their cross, the cross that Jesus talks about in today's gospel, is inside of them. We see this in the creation of Adam and Eve. Whenever Adam and Eve were made, they were given a, a, a job. They were saying, you need to be fruitful, you need to be multiplied. And you, and you need to multiply and you need to subdue the earth. And then whenever they failed God, they were given curses. Woman was cursed with childbirth, man was cursed with toiling in the fields, working. One has a cross on the inside, one has a cross on the outside. And am I saying that women can't toil in the fields? And am I saying that men do not participate in childbirth anyway? Of course not. 
What I'm saying is that there's a primacy here, one over the other. And we can really see, though, this, this kind of transition. And we can kind of see the fact that this intimate knowledge of suffering, this intimate knowledge of pain, and this intimate knowledge of kind of a, of a, of a, of a real difficulty translates into holiness in our sacred scriptures. If we look at the scriptures, it is very clear who, if you divide the, the disciples between men and women, who are more devoted to Jesus. Hands down, no question, the women. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even a debate. I mean, just look at the cross. It was the women who accompanied Jesus to the cross. It was the women who, was present, who were present at the foot of the cross. It was the women who first found Jesus alive and resurrected in the tomb. They were the ones who actually went and told the guys who had just quit, decided to go fishing somewhere, go figure, whatever. Gosh, I'm amazed. That, I'm, I really am amazed that, that, that God still works with us. I mean, the, just decides to go fishing. What happened? Hey, knuckleheads, Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, what? Oh, my gosh. And then they forget, and then, you know, they run to the tomb, and they, you know, they, they get all excited and whatever. My point being is that even though it always seems that the guys are late to the party, Jesus still chose them to be his priests. Jesus still made a decision to say, you will handle my message. You will confect the sacraments. You will say, this is my body, and you will speak for me. Why? Not because they were holier than the women, but because they needed it. If you want to take a boy and turn him into a man, you've got to make him work. You've got to fill his hands with stuff to do. You've got to fill his arms with stuff to, to lift. But the fact of the matter is, if you, that boy doesn't have a mentor, if that boy doesn't have a father, then that boy becomes just like Ishmael in Genesis. The, I shouldn't say that word, the, the, um, the son of Abraham that was not legitimate. He ended up going off into the desert. And what happened? He became, as they say, a wild ass of a man. With his hand against everybody's and everybody's hand against him. Because he had no father. Because he had nobody to guide him. Because he was on his own. And so that's why I believe deep down in the depths of my heart. And like I said, you're not going to see this in the catechism. But that's why I believe God became a man. To teach men how to be men. How to toil in the fields. How to sweat in the work. And how not to kill each other. But rather, instead of going out and asserting power and killing one another, rather laying down your life. That's the lesson that Jesus is giving Peter in a very blunt, very actually pretty dramatic way in today's gospel. Whenever he turns to Peter in front of everybody and publicly humiliates him and says, get behind me, Satan. To be a man, it's not about beating down other people. To be a man, it's not about shooting people down or domination. To being a man means to take up your cross and following Jesus Christ. It means dying to your ego. It means dying to your laziness. It means dying to your desire to hold up and assert yourself and fail to embrace the discomforts of life and embrace the greatness you're called to. That is what Jesus is looking at Peter and telling him right there when he says, Get behind me, Satan, because you are not called to comfort you are called to greatness. 
And that, that my dear friends, is why I believe in the deeps and the depths, the deeps of my heart, the depths of my heart, why Jesus looked at men to be his apostles and said, come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Not because you're holier than the other genders, but because darn it, you need it. You need the lesson. You need the responsibility. You need the leadership. Otherwise, you will never, ever, ever have a shot at salvation. God bless you.